Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. This week we are tackling an aspect of practical theology, namely the practice of catechism. Practical theology is what we are tackling in our Reformation Boise Conference coming up November 9th and 10th. Go to ReformationVoice.com to register. That is coming up, I think, by the time this is broadcast next week. So you don't want to miss it. Now, one way to help give a foundation for practical theology in our lives is the practice of catechism. We saw from yesterday's show that the word catechism just comes from a Greek word in the New Testament, katecheo, meaning instruction, teaching, or doctrine. Now, the question is, is how important is the ministry of catechism or the ministry of doctrine? Listen to this quote by Michael Spencer in his 2009 article entitled, The Coming Evangelical Collapse. This is what he said. We evangelicals have failed to pass on to our young people an orthodox form of faith that can take root and survive the secular onslaught. Ironically, the billions of dollars that we've spent on youth ministers, Christian music, publishing, and media has produced a culture of young Christians who know next to nothing about their own faith, except how they should feel about it. Our young people have deep beliefs about the culture war, but do not know why they should obey the scripture, do not know the essentials of theology or the experience of the spiritual discipline and community. Coming generations of Christians are going to be monumentally ignorant and unprepared for culture-wide pressures. What do you guys think about that quote? I think it's it's absolutely true. you know, I know that it's going to come as a surprise to you, but I, I have six grandchildren and seven and eight are on deck. I know my youthful vitality kind of doesn't show that, but I, but being a grandfather now, I have a, I have a grandchildren come over on a regular basis. Uh, one of them is uh, Grace; she's not even two yet. But I have this little catechism for young children that. Um, it's a little green booklet, and she'll she'll pick it up and she'll hand it to me and say, "God," um, because she knows that this book is telling her something about God. She'll sit on my lap. We'll read till she gets bored. But it's who made you, God? What else did God make? God made me and all things. Why did God make you and all things for His own glory? And we go through uh, these questions over and over again, where she. She says that. The same thing happens, you know, when we lay her down for a nap. You know, she, you know, the, the lullaby that you sing to her is, Jesus loves me, this I know. So when she hits that bed, the first thing she says is, Jesus, me, Jesus, me. That's catechism. That's uh-huh. starting at an early age, um, instructing them on the things that they should believe. Uh-huh. This um, catechism for young children that Jonathan's making reference to is the basis for the 
questions in the book, Big Truths for Little Kids. That's the storyline of the Caleb and Cassie book that I mentioned in the last show. And since I know that you listen every day and hang on every word that we say, <laughs> that you remember That was all sarcasm. Of, yes, that was sarcasm. <laughs> um, that you remembered that. Um, it was interesting that in our home, just for a practical look, what we do is we read every day at the at the dinner table when we're done. Our, our belief is that God has fed us um, from the the bounty of the earth, and every time we sit down, we we feast on the food, but we also should be fed spiritually as well. So we always close every meal reading the Bible and praying. And then at night, we, we do family devotions together. And what we do is, in one of those times, we're always reading through God's Word together. And in the other one, we're always doing some sort of catechism instruction. And so we just keep that balance that we want them to know God's Word, we want them to have clear um, guidance and, and, and doctrinal truths. And this Big Truths for Little Kids, we've used, kind of cycled through um, the years, and um, my two oldest boys, who are now in college, were home this summer, and we, we were going through this book again, and after 15 years of whatever, I don't know how, when the last time they actually had the book, when we read it, they could still answer every question in the book. Huh. Mm. So God had taken that and put it in their hearts. And so when you're dealing with this quote that's, that's talking about all of these things that young people are going to encounter, I know that when I've sent my kids off to school, these, these are question and answers for kids, but they're telling incredibly deep and rich spiritual truths that I know those are inside of my boys. Yeah. Yeah. They're in their hearts. They're but, in their but, minds. But you know, Russ, what you're doing is profoundly countercultural. Yes. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. even among Christians, mm-hmm. what you're doing in your home is, is profoundly countercultural, that uh, you, you're teaching the faith in your home. And then this, uh, this uh, troubling but uh, really true uh, uh, quote from uh, Michael Spencer, uh, and I've not read that article yet, and I, and I, but boy, I need to, uh, this coming evangelical collapse. Um, the... Among, among way too many evangelicals, instruction in the faith has been delegated to the church mm-hmm. rather, rather than being seen as the responsibility of the family. Um, I, I thank God uh, that, I, you know, I, I'm one of the geezers here. I'm not, you know, John, Jonathan and I are, are the older, older senior generation. Speak for yourself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> senior. yeah, thank you. Thank you, Grandpa. Um, <clears throat> that, I, that I grew up in a home I became a Christian. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a wonderful church to go to as a child and as a teenager. But the reason I became a Christian is because it was taught in our home. Mm-hmm. That, my, that my parents taught us, instructed us in the faith. And if we're going to really prepare the next generation, parents need to claim that responsibility again, and churches need to equip them yeah. to, well, to take yeah. on that responsibility and and I think uh, too, uh, you know, we may not be as disciplined as Russ is in terms of the time set for that, but um, this is something that we can do in a spontaneous way with our families at any time of the day. In fact, you know, really, um, one of the catechism questions or answers is in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four, yeah. where 
where they're told, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Every, mm-hmm. every Jewish child knew that. Mm-hmm. And, then it, and then it goes on, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You should talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You know, it, it is something that's supposed to be part of our our everyday being. You know, I don't I don't say, Come here, Grace, let me read the catechism to you. It's it's a spontaneous thing that is happening when my granddaughter is in yeah. the house. Yeah. You know, Phil, um I so you guys are both emphasizing the you and Jonathan were both emphasizing the importance of what our families ought to do. And I know I know you well enough been with you long enough to know that there's an equal shared responsibility with the church. So you're just trying to emphasize the fact that if you're delegating all your theological training out to the church, you're missing the other wing on the plane. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it. And and obviously the church needs to be teaching young people in the faith as well. But but parents don't don't delegate that responsibility. Um, the the church can augment, but. The church has your children, what, a couple hours a week? Mm-hmm. And uh, if, we, if, we're, if they're really going to be grounded, uh, and, and once again, I'm going to agree with Jonathan, it doesn't need to be some kind of a regimented, you know, uh, it, it, can be, it can be spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but make sure that that nourishment is, is coming in the home. Yeah. So we're talking about practical theology and so we've heard a little bit about it from the home side. I want to hear a little bit on the on the church side here cuz Paul wrote, you know, three pastoral letters, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, um, and Titus. And he laid a premium on doctrine. And remember that word listener is basically synonymous with this idea of catechism. So just listen to a small sampling of this. Per Paul's very first charge to Timothy regarded protecting doctrine, 1 Timothy 1.3. The purpose of protecting doctrine is love, 1 Timothy 1.5. Doctrine is only sound if it glorifies God, 1 Timothy 1.10. Doctrine is what helps us wage the good warfare, 1 Timothy 1.18. Swerving from good doctrine will shipwreck your faith, 1 Timothy 1.19. Paul was appointed a teacher of doctrine, 1 Timothy 2.7. Doctrine exists so that we know how to do church, 1 Timothy 3.14. The church is the guardian of doctrine, 1 Timothy 3.15. False, touch, uh, false teachers devote themselves to demonic doctrine, 1 Timothy 4.1. And then good servants are those who teach godly doctrine, 1 Timothy 4.6. Now, brothers, there are 51 similar statements in addition to those ones in the pastoral letters. So why this emphasis on doctrine? But remember, we're talking about practical theology, so make the connection between the decline of doctrine and the effects that that has on our life. Unfortunately, I, I think what happened was there was this this great sense and urge to always get to that which is quote unquote practical. And so this is where you get the list. This is where you get the the recommendations of how to how to live moment by moment in your life. And they um, divorce them from from doctrine. And um, it's the classic getting the horse before the cart. Um, so it's the call to do before we understand the the the, un, uh, the the rationale behind it and the God that's behind it, and doctrine is is just laying the correct foundation, and and so what he's saying here is that doctrine 
provides the foundation by which you live from. And since doctrine has kind of been neglected and, and relegated to a place of almost Im, unimportance, and, and well, that's what theologians do, what you see is actually the effect on, on practical living. Mm-hmm. You can't build a life of sanctification outside of a foundation of who God is and what God has done and and what God has has specifically done in the hearts and lives of his people with that's if that's not the foundation a life of sanctification a life of practical theology can't happen mm-hmm. and you see it in the church yeah. a call to holiness without the correct foundation is just a call mm-hmm. it can't be heeded right well, very good. Uh, well, you have been listening to us talk about catechism this week. Maybe we can just quickly, uh, we have about a minute and a half left. What are some good catechisms that people could uh, grab a hold of right now and start using um, in their family? Well, you hit, you, uh, we've touched on them. Uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism is, these are some that you can actually look up online, the Heidelberg uh, Catechism, uh, both of them. Uh, being excellent tools, uh, you know they have some that are made for children. The Catechism for Young Children that was mentioned, um, published by um, Great Commission Press. Um, you know, Tim Keller just produced a catechism that I that we're using the in our city church. Catechism. The New City Catechism. And the language is is a little bit more up to date, and uh, we use it every Sunday. And but it, I find but it really that one helpful. is broken down uh, here within the answers. As, as an answer for children yep. and an answer for an adult within yep. the answer, so you, you can have, actually find an app for you can actually find an app for all of these catechisms. Just go to your right. app store and and type. The it nice in. thing about mm-hmm. the New City Catechism fifty one questions for or fifty two questions for fifty two weeks, so it it fits in. There's just a lot of book to talk about catechism for for families, comforting hearts and 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 teaching minds, training hearts and teaching minds from by Star Mead, Big Truths for Little Kids. Um, um, big beliefs. You you have the uh, the theocracy. Um, so you've got just incredible resources out there that the, can the supplement. Theology, not the theocracy. The yeah. Theology. <laughs> theology. Theology. Yeah, I, I, I do like, that every what time. What are you talking about theocracy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we got to finish there. So we'll we'll get your suggestions next time, Phil. This has been the Gospel for Life. 